What is the background to your, what's your nationality? I know you're Canadian, but. Yeah. Antonik, what is the background? And, um, my, my father's family is from Belarus. Oh. Uh, many years ago. Um, but uh, Belarus is where they're from, but I guess Polish, uh, you know, during World War II at that time, all the borders were skewed so or blurred, so right. I never really knew where anyone was from. But Belarus is where my, my dad's family originally comes from. And do you have that background? Like I don't. Uh, Not I at think, all. So you don't. No, oh, well, that's arguable. <laughs> <laughs> Am I reactive? Yes. <laughs> do, do, do I raise my voice uh, and, and when I'm just talking normally? Yes. But uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't really. I don't know the language. It would have been nice to learn a bit more about the culture, though. It'd be, uh, but uh, I hear it's not a place you want to travel, Belarus. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I guess they've gone through some tough times. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. East, so I guess Eastern European is the is the background. My mom's um, Irish Canadian, several generations, so it's Russian Irish. But you haven't been there. <laughs> no, no, okay. I've, ne- I've never. No, I've never been Russia or Ireland. So well, still maybe we'll have to get a tour going there. Of course. <laughs> so I'm talking to Chris Antonik, who's been kind enough to drop by and chat with me about his musical journey. I'm I'm interested in talking to you for many reasons. One, because I think you're an um, a newer artist, if you don't mind me calling mm-hmm. you that. Mm-hmm. And um, over the years, I've gotten to talk to a lot of musicians who are much older, and I don't get to talk to younger musicians who are just coming up. And in a, in a relatively short period of time, I, I get the feeling that you've accomplished a lot. I don't know if you feel that way, but from where I stand, I just thought, okay, well, there's things happening for him, which is kind of neat. And I'm curious as to how that happened, and you know, if, that was, if there was a big plan or it just happened. Mm-hmm. So let's start from... How you first got into music? Yeah, I mean, I'd always been, um, always been in music my whole life, as, as any music fan, going through different phases in grade school and high school, and I think it started when I converted my entire grade eight class into Ramones fans, <laughs> and Sex Pistols fans. The teacher loved that at the Catholic school. That was fun. I'm but sure. uh, I, I guess I, I just sort of started. I picked up the guitar in high school, strum it along, and you know, never really anything serious. I actually took guitar and, and piano lessons when I was a kid, and I hated it. I hated practicing. Um, and then um, university. By the time I hit university, I, I started listening to uh, John Mayall's Blues Breakers, Buddy Guy, BB King. And so had you put down the guitar by then? Yeah, I, I was starting to... I guess I, guitar started when I started... The, the idea that you could turn the instrument and make the instrument sing and bend the strings and make it mimic a voice started with me with Neil Young and with Carlos Santana, right. sort of a classic rock phase. And, um, and then I started realizing you could do even more and more, and then I found Clapton, uh, and then I dug even... And the Allman Brothers, and then I dug further and found all their influences... So by the time I hit university, I was either studying or in my room obsessively practicing, and I wouldn't leave my room until I sounded exactly like what I was hearing. I mean, not saying I'm sounding like that. I'm just, I was obsessed with getting up to a certain level in a very quick period of time. Okay, so tell me about that approach. Is it, was it trying to imitate and sound as much like Clapton as possible, or what, what, how did you go about learning? I think I realized that I was... It, it was not about imitating. It was it's the added step that I think, and I, I don't want to sound arrogant or anything, but some people have this and some people don't. The ability to improvise mm-hmm. and the ability to just take some take a general rule book, internalize it, and then start speaking in your own way with it. And right. That's where lead guitar solos come from. The, the ability to tell a story. I'm sure it's the same with horn players and any other instrument. Right? You, you, you're improvising. Yeah, you, you, you learn the rules of the language and then something inside of you clicks and you can just externalize it in your own way. Did you know when that happened? Like, did you... it, it started happening when I, when I started hearing Clapton. It started hearing Buddy Guy. I started figuring out I could turn this, this, these six strings and the scales and the octaves into a voice. And it was a way for me to express certain uh, stresses and, and uh, troubles that I was going through at the time, mostly romantic based, but um, uh, so that became the language 
for me to truly express myself. And I guess for years I was just playing, I was just, you know, just noodling away and, and playing and I was in cover bands and I was going to the Grossman's jams. But I wasn't getting anywhere because I didn't until a light bulb went off one day, and I realized I I need to be more of a songwriter. And so at this point, are you are you thinking that you want to pursue music as a career, or I've always known that I've had. It's always something that I wanted to make my mark in. It's something like the guitar is something that I do. I know there are a lot of great guitar players out there, but I realized that I owe it to myself. I owe it to the the skill that I've been given to write music, good music. So you focus on the songwriting craft mm -hmm. and then put the solos on top of that. Um, I, I love solo. I like doing the, the blues solos and taking solos. But it wasn't until I started focusing on the craft of songwriting. Uh, and even my first album, I wasn't even singing on. Mm -hmm. You had a lot so of help. I, I wanted to make, I figured if I'm going to make a mark on the first one, I better take the one thing out that I don't do very well at this point. Now I've grown the voice and now I'm uh, we're doing the whole thing. Uh, you know, and it sounds like it's something that people would you'd think, well, why aren't you doing this to begin with? But it's just my path. It's just how I developed. Now, because this is not an uncommon problem. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes a great guitar player sings and they're not as good a guitar player as if they hadn't sung. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How comfortable were you? And I, I've talked to a lot of musicians who, who are not very comfortable with a singing voice. How easy was it for you to become a singer? It's taken me, I guess, the, my first record came out in 2010, and it got some attention, and that's what really sparked me going. So it's only now in 17 that I'm, I'd say last year, 16, is when I f firmly became comfortable with, with some of the work we did on this, on this new record. My my producer was always telling me, you know, the solos, whatever. It's the vocals they're going to listen to this time around, and I, I, I know there's always more work you can do, mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm finally singing from my own heart. I've developed some range and some falsetto, and and uh, okay, so how I'm did feeling you, more confident? I, how I did you learn that? Is it, it the, the same stage, discipline? The stage, okay. Be, just singing a lot um, on tours and playing shows, and. Uh, you know, there's always, always you can always be better at that at singing, but just playing, getting out there and playing, and um, it developed itself. Right. You know, I, there's there's a lot more I'd like to do. I can see the next record that I work on have even more vocal development, but there's other things I want to learn how to do. So it's fun. It's good to know that life doesn't just end with guitar. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of guitar styles and, and guitar techniques that I've. Uh, I would like to try, but it's funny. Reason, um, not to change the subject, but in terms of developing and finding new areas, the one style of blues that I never really took to is that um, the North Mississippi, like the Fred McDowell uh, style, yeah, okay. with, the, with the the droning, the open tuning, yeah. and the droning and all that. But I watched a documentary on him recently, and I was like, man, maybe that's. I know that's amazing, and I've always heard how amazing this is, and I've listened to his records, but I tried to teach myself this style, and it didn't. I didn't take. Mm -hmm. I wasn't interested in learning about it. So for the first time in my life, it's weird. I'm I'm more interested in developing certain vocal range than new guitar styles. Maybe in mm -hmm. five years that'll flip again. But so going back to songwriting, because that's mm -hmm. a key thing, and I always find that songwriting doesn't. People don't talk about songwriting as much as maybe they should. Because especially when you talk about blues, because in some ways it, there is a certain format that mm -hmm. everybody follows. Not that so I shouldn't say everybody, yeah. but there is a format that a lot of people mm -hmm. kind of work around. Um, but when all is said and done, it really comes down to the song. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to appreciate the art of songwriting and, and what influences or who did you model yourself after in terms of becoming a decent songwriter? I guess, you know, you can always go to the go-tos, like the great songwriters, Lennon McCartney and Dylan, and obviously those are the giants. But um, in terms of modern players, there's, um, I really like what a lot of country artists are doing. I like, uh, I have a, there's a group in Toronto, a group of songwriters that I'm close with. Um, they're, they're like a, a songwriting peer assessment group where they get together and help each other write songs. Oh, really? And uh, I met... Uh, 
friend of mine from that group, Henry Lees, who co-wrote with me, The King of Infidelity, and, and from the first album, and a couple on this new one. Um, I try and just reconnect with them a couple of times a year and trade notes and, and get together. I also have um, a songwriter friend of mine in, in England who I wrote a bunch of material with. We collaborate over email. How easy is that to... That's been the easiest collaboration. Some of the, some of the, some work, a lot of my work that's come together really quickly has come through this email collaboration with my friend Ben Fisher, which is strange, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. We're going to keep writing together. And when I went to England last year, he toured and he played in my band on our tour, which was awesome. But, um, uh, I'm a big fan of John Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people are sort of either love him or hate him, but I, I love his music, and I think he's one of the most talented modern songwriters out there. For sure. And but in terms of the blues form, it's interesting because what does it mean to change it and innovate? I don't think what blues innovators, as they're called, or whatever you call these songwriters, are doing today. I think it's I don't think it's any different than what was happening in the '60s, in the sense that. You're just taking this music form mm-hmm. and turning it into rock or pop. You're adding new chord changes. The, the, the art form or whatever is happening, if you want to call it a type, of, a type of songwriting, it itself, I don't think it's new. People have been doing it for 40, 50 years, molding, bending the blues rules. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I got, you know, I'll, there's, I think other artists that do that really well are obviously Tedeschi Trucks Band, mm-hmm. Doyle Bramhall, Johnny Lang. Um, I've listened to a lot of their songs in, in recent years. Just to, they're, they're always doing new stuff with structure. All right. of a sudden, there's a new weird chord, or they're or they're getting to the bridge faster, or they're doing all this kind of stuff that's just um, dynamic and interesting and keeps you guessing. And that that's, I just think it's a really fun, fun crap. That's the structural side. In terms of what the songs are about and the emotional stuff, that that that's just—I don't think there's a trick to it. I think you just need to be honest and tell stories about your life. But is that is that an easy thing for you, you to do? Because we were talking about this just a few minutes ago about yeah. um, revealing yourself, and obviously mm-hmm. songs come from your experiences. So hopefully they do, which is, makes it more truthful and more honest. But in this new album, you talk about partly your separation or divorce with you and which is not an easy topic to to talk about how easy it is to is it to reveal that or to expose yourself it's interesting because there's a song on the record called all our days it's the sort of country blues rock kind of song it's a ballad i wrote it a couple years ago when i sensed that possibly my marriage was coming to an end if I would have had more trouble releasing it if I was still in my marriage. Mm-hmm. But now that the marriage is over and the song kind of predicted it a couple of years ago, it's much easier to have it out there. Right. Um, would you say most of these songs are very autobiographical or are there some songs that are just totally imaginary? Or so I always, I always have a mixed bag of, um, of uh, fiction, like short stories, or a lot of stuff that's, that comes from my own personal experience. One example of a fiction story would be A Slip in the Rain that I wrote with Paul Reddick and Ben from, from England. Ben and I had this song kicking around that was supposed to be on the last album and we couldn't get it finished. It was just, sometimes they say when, when things hit a wall too much, you should just leave them. But I took it to Paul Reddick and we went over to his house and he, and he had some great ideas for it and we totally restructured it. And it's a fictional song about uh, an alcoholic walking home from work and being faced with the choice of whether to go to the bar or go home to his partner. And we just wanted to write a story about this, about an addiction, about the theme of addiction. So that's a, that's a piece of fiction. But, uh, you know, you've got stuff about, about my life, too. So mm-hmm. I just, it's a mixed bag. And, and, and so going back to the places you've been, because you've done some tours. And mm-hmm. so what I found interesting is you tour, you've toured in Europe or England. Mm-hmm. You've toured some in in the states Mm -hmm. um i presume across canada and you're doing a a tour this fall as well Mm -hmm. so tell me about that tell me when you know when you decide to follow this path Mm -hmm. tell me the thinking behind did you set goals for yourself did you think what what would be the milestones you want to achieve i think whenever i get into something i always i get a bit competitive i always benchmark 
I look at what the top guys are doing and girls are doing in Canada and the States. Obviously, you just, you just, you know, I'm, I'm not the only artist who trolls other artists' websites <laughs> to see what they're playing, you know. But, uh, you know, when I first started, I was like, I, and I got exposed to the blues community. I was like, wow, this is a really amazing, supportive group of people. There's a whole world of possibility here. You look at all the places you can play across the country. You look at the, the festivals. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice to have a few more uh, Canadian festivals this summer, but that, that's, you know, maybe that'll happen next summer. But uh, just looking at what some of the other folks are doing, I mean, they're not just playing in Toronto, which is where I live. Right. And I'm, I'm very proud of this area, but I, but I wanted to get out of, I wanted to play other places. Because it's not like, I, I, get, I don't get the impression you play in Toronto a lot either. It's not that I don't want to. It's just I've been. I have to pick and choose carefully because I, I I do have a young family mm-hmm. and being separated. I have to manage my my tours need to be strategic, right? Not to be so cold about it, but they like. I've I've sort of fixed on fixated on the U.S. and England of late, and we're going out west again. And once you go somewhere, you got to go back, right? So there's no point going to England one year and then never going back. That's why I'm putting all my energy into doing another English tour next year. And when I tour, it's only about, it's two weeks max. Because I don't like being away from my kids that long. I see them more as business trips. You know, um, if I was, I'm 42, if I was 22 with no kids, I would go out for 60 days at a time, you know. But I'm in a different stage of my life. So I try and, I'm trying to develop my business strategically given the limitations that I have, you know. So, but, but you obviously say, okay, geographically, these are the areas I want to hit. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, it's uh, it's it's tough too. I mean, because I mean, the, only for the first time this year did I actually make money on a U.S. tour, which is not that unusual, right? I mean, it <laughs> yeah. seems crazy, but yeah. it's expensive to tour. It is, and and, and you got to ask yourself, what the hell are people doing this for? <laughs> You well, really do, and, 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 and I know it's about the it. music, but there's a point at which you're just like, oh my god, this business drives me nuts. And I think I'm at a point right now, given the crazy year that I have with the divorce and and getting a record out, which was tough to finish. I just want to. I'm at a place where I just need some peace, and I want to reconnect with music again. And one place to do that is to get together with songwriters and use the side of your brain that's truly creative. Booking shows and dealing with. Um, uh, club owners trying to pay you less than they said that's not really creative mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. logistical it's headache and I'm I, I manage myself so I gotta work with all this stuff although I have I have help you know Sarah French mm-hmm. does publicity and she's amazing um, can't do it without her and, and with uh, and I have Frank Rozak in the States who does the, the US and European stuff and I have some grant writers helping me but it's really you're, you're as much a an artist as you are an entrepreneur a small business owner so it really is i mean and you got to you got to know when to take things off your plate so that you don't crowd out the creative and what i do i go in phases i just put a record out so in i'm in the equivalent of wanting to collapse and go to sleep for 3 months i mean that that's the phase i'm in right now this summer i'll just recuperate and start writing again just cuz that's therapeutic do you know what i mean but at this point, you you put out a new album. Mm-hmm. You go, you tour parts of the states, mm-hmm. and you're thinking. And I don't know how often you've been down there, but I guess it's the old school of go to a, a place, build a following, go back, hopefully build more. Yeah, that's the, that's the thinking. Yeah, that's and, right. And how easy is that in this day and age? It's been. Um, I've just found that I've done I've done a tour on the east coast. I've done a tour on the west coast, and I've done a couple in the Midwest. The Midwest seems to be where we're getting the most traction. Is there any rhyme or reason behind that? Um, I don't know. I, I just know that these... I think the East Coast are too many musicians. It's like Toronto times 100. I mean, so when you first decided to go to, let's say, the East Coast, and I presume there was be Boston and up or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, New York. You go there and yeah. people don't know who you are. That's right, yeah. And... How do you attract people to come to see a show? I, I don't do a U.S. tour without investing in tour support, publicity support. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. I mean, it, maybe it makes sense for some artists that are building more traction or that do you have something building? Mm-hmm. But to start, I, I always use tour support. Uh, I use Frank Rozak in his days. I use Sarah for Canadian tour support. 
uh, for the mark when we go out west and things like that. So that's a great way because you get you get articles. You get, I mean, it, that's that would be a key thing to do. I think, yeah. So okay, so yeah, all this comes yeah. down to the other thing that that I'm interested in is also. A lot of artists who are artists are not necessarily business-minded. And I get the impression that you have a certain business sense. It might come from the fact that you went to university, and I presume for business, mm -hmm. um, or the fact that you, you do work mm -hmm. um, on top of playing. Where does that business sense come from, and, and, and how easy is it to apply that, whatever business sense you have, into this crazy business of music? I think, I don't know where it comes I think it's just part of my personality. Uh, it's part of it's, it's who I am. However, this the one thing that I loved doing and was the thing I was put here to do, the thing I do best than other other things is play the guitar. So I said, "Damn it, I'm I'm melding these two, and I'm going to give it a go." And you need both of them mm -hmm. to put. But you forward. know that there are a lot of musicians who don't have that other sense. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's a good thing in the sense maybe they have a manager, maybe they have, and and but the art, I mean, you get great art that way. That's the thing. Um, there's, I don't think it's one or the other, because I know how to take the hat off and put. The, I know when it's time to be an artist and when it's time to be a businessman. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't think I should be writing songs. Well, well, maybe this summer once I relax, but I don't. I'm feeling too linear and and uh, black and white right now. That's because I'm focused on getting some business stuff together. But once that's all taken care of, it's like a stove. It's like a bunch of pots on a stove. And business stuff being the next album, the yeah, next uh, tour? Getting the tours lined up, getting the grants lined up, getting... getting um, there's all sorts of after promotion I want to do for the album. The touring's done and all the publicity budget's been spent, but I'm doing little things like submitting to the Blues Music Award nomination, uh, you know, uh, or the Blues Music Award submissions for uh, the CD or album of the year or whatever. To that today. There's always something to do. What's important to you? Like, when you look at the fact that you've played the UK, you've played the States, you're playing in Canada, is there one area that's more important to you than other? And I know it's probably not fair to say that you concentrate on one more than the other. Yeah. But, but is there things that, like, a certain priorities that you have that says, I need to do this more so than I think, that? I mean, I, I want to I wanna continue to to, to play in Canada as much as I can, you know, um, and I, I'd like to develop more in the states. I mean, priority for me, it'd be nice to, to. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to neglect where I'm, where I'm from. There's a mm -hmm. lot of great things to do in Canada in terms of touring and festivals and things like that. But uh, it's a big country, it's and a big it's also country. it's hard to get geographically. Around. It's difficult yeah, to yeah. navigate through. So there's that too. I mean, again, if I was 22 and I could get in my van and travel, and and if I didn't have the responsibilities that I do, I, it would be much easier to do. But mm -hmm. I'm I'm not at that stage of life. So that's why I plan more. I just plan for these tours better. Um, but uh, I think again, I go back to what we said. The most if you're going to be your own manager and you're going to run all this stuff, you have to know when to take that hat off and get reconnect with the creative. And to me, I, that just comes in cycles. And I'll, I'll get back to it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this summer things will mellow out and just start meeting with songwriters again. Start picking up the guitar again. You know, just, just, just getting back into it. Reading. But is it, is it all like a case of you finish the tour... You and you put down the guitar for a little while and you, you actually don't pick it up for a while? I think... I'm just a little burnt out because of the crazy year I had having gone through a divorce. So right. this is just a, a, an odd year. Uh, I just, just need some time to sort of get myself, <laughs> to give myself uh, some rest. Really. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just, just the, the, the special circumstances of, of the past year that I, that I went through. So when but, you decide that you're going to go to UK and play or the Midwest... And you just said you had a successful tour in the in the Midwest. How how soon will you go back? Um, I guess next summer. I mean, it, you can only do so many of these. I mean, actually, we're going to Florida and in, in oh, nice. In to, that's the other place I want to develop. I should have mentioned that. Um, Florida seems to be an awesome 
place for blues and all sorts of so this is like looking at other people and thinking okay there's a market there and there seems to be a lot of going on i need to concentrate on that market yeah there's i mean we've got i've got about seven shows booked down there in the in the fall like november december and you've never played there before. no no so that's a that's a first start right so you got to be prepared to hopefully just break even on that one and um get down and, and get the music out there and so that's that's the other priority right now i mean yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, it'd be nice to to uh, to have more help, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. But um, you know, I, and this is. I think I'm in a phase now where I'm assessing all these next steps in terms of what I can actually handle as one person. Again, all in the context of being a a young father. Mm-hmm. My children are most important to me, and everything gets planned around them. And, you know, I don't uh, I don't travel that much. Like someone who, I'm sure there are lots of businessy salespeople who travel a lot more than mm-hmm. I do. Right. So you have to keep it in perspective. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, sorry, I, don't, I might sound like I'm rambling, but <laughs> musically, musically, I think uh, I've been listening to a lot of country music lately, like old country, like Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. Willie, Willie's Roadhouse on Sirius XM, and. Right. A lot of old stuff like that. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I mean, there's always it's always going to be blues. That's my base. But I like to throw different things into it. Well, the last album kind of shows that, right? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. say that every song is a, a pure blues song. Yeah. Um, how do you measure success? I think you have to measure it by... Um, I mean, there are a couple ways to look at it. Am I... I think I've been pretty successful in the sense that I've been able to make the music I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, I do have another job to help pay my mortgage and and, and uh, support my children. But that has allowed me to focus on creating the artistic vision because mm-hmm. I'm not distracted by taking every other gig. Right. I, like The discussion I had had with somebody else was the fact that it, it it was something that somebody once told me that many years ago they thought that there's a big difference between a full-time musician and a part-time musician. And and this was probably 15 years ago. And when I was told that, it made total sense to me for some reason. I just thought, yeah, well, if you spend all your time playing music, then in some ways you got to be better than somebody who's playing music only on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But the business being what it is, and I don't know, I presume that in in the seven years or so, you've seen a lot of changes like drastically in the last five mm-hmm. years things have mm-hmm. changed and I just wonder if you're now picking up any possible gig you you can get to just make you know a handful of cash is that really being a professional full-time musician and are you any happier versus somebody who has some financial security and who does music for the yeah for- it's a touchy subject because most of the people that I associate with and play with are mm-hmm they don't have other another like an right. office job to help them through. Um, most of my friends are full time musicians that, that work hard and and uh, you know struggle to make ends meet, and I totally respect it. Um, and not to say that there aren't. I mean, there are other people yeah. I've talked to who are constantly busy, and you think, oh my god. Yeah. So for me, it's always been about trying to create a big picture. Like the big picture for me has always been the body of work. And I've been able to create the, the work that I wanted to create because I haven't been distracted. Because, because I have children. Mm-hmm. I need to feed my kids. I need to work. And that's more important to me than anything. But to, to get the art out, to get the vision out there, I'd say having this has allowed me to put the big picture out on the map. And now I can hire my friends or my colleagues right. who, who, are, uh, who rely on this, you know? And, and pay them fairly and pay them more if, if I, you know, as I do better. So when you, you started know. in 2010 and you released your first album, like if you go back to that point or even a year or two before then, yeah. tell me what your goals were then or what you had in mind, what you were hoping to achieve from that <laughs> first album to how that might have changed over the last two albums. I think um, the first, when I first set out, I just wanted to get get some some solid guitar playing and some good songs out there and the first album was fairly cookie cutter i mean there wasn't 
there were a few things that were pretty different, but it was a pretty much a color by numbers blues approach for the most part. Um, but so I, I think I, got, I did what I needed to do with that one. And were you happy with the results of that one? I, I was. As I look back, obviously, I think the other two are better. I think the third one is better than the second, and the second is better than the first. Hopefully it works that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it didn't, there'd be something wrong. But um, honestly, it was kind of like this, what have I done? Now I'm out in front. Now i got to sing. <laughs> oh, shh. But can that's we, the second Can we swear hour, right? this thing? You can do whatever okay. you want. All right. I wasn't sure if it was going to go, whatever. Well, too late now. It's lost its effect. <laughs> but um, I, I just I just realized, like, I can't be just... Like, unless you're Derek Trucks or Carlos Santana or, like, a jazz or, like, flamenco superstar, you can't lead a band as a guitar player. Okay, or Kenny Wayne Shepherd. But you you can't... Yeah. You have to have a package, do you know right. what I mean, of, of singing and playing. I'm not... So I, I just realized, oh my God, I've really got more work to do. What have I got myself into? I got, I, you know, but if I want, but I owed it to myself because I had, I wanted to play guitar. And, and the only way to do that f for me was to write and sing. So I set those goals. Right. And if I'm going to sing, I want to do it well. If I'm going to write, it's got to be done well. So I try and benchmark on well, how do you write a good song? And I just, it just grows exponentially from there. It's kind of a curse. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a craft. But it's like, oh, shit. You mean there's more I can do? You know, it's like, okay, what are they doing? What yeah. are they doing? That's just my nature. I can't, you know, and it's it gets a little crazy sometimes. But I don't know where it comes from. It's just this is how I drive myself, you know. And musically, you've changed over the last three albums. Yeah. So that comes natural to you? Is that... I think uh, I think this record this, this closes a trilogy thematically, but I also think it we've I reached the point I wanted to reach in terms of blues rock and what it, what I the sounds the kind of sounds I wanted to experiment and get out there with. Um, I think I've achieved. There's certain other sounds that I want to I still have trouble capturing, and I want to try in the future, like sort of the '80s blues motif, like the like the kind of mainstream pop blues that John Mayer does really well today. Right. Um, but I think uh, I was able to, it took me the, the three records and the seven years to reach, to, to, I don't want to say close it off, but to reach the sound, the blues rock sound that I was always going for in terms of it being somewhat esoteric, yet somewhat familiar too. And... Um, and how different is that live versus it's, the studio? Work? It's it's not. Uh, I mean, live it's just it's a four piece and a keyboard player and, and myself. So we don't have the horns. We don't have the backup right. singers. So there are some songs that still need some work live in terms of you know voc backup vocals and harmonies and getting like Monarch and the Wrecking Ball. We we need to sit down and practice that one. It hasn't been coming across live as I would hope, um, and that's. That's you know on me as a band leader not making the time to get that right. I mean, it'd be nice to have Samantha Martin and Delta Sugar with me all the mm -hmm. time, but they have their own <laughs> their own awesome careers. So <laughs> yeah. as a, you know, and Jesse O'Brien and Chuck Keeping, all these guys. But I mean, I have a great band. I love the guys that I'm playing with live um, right now. But they're not the folks that played on the record. Right. Um, uh, you know, and then this comes down to budget. I think if I had the budget, the next thing I would do is add another guitar player. Really? Yeah, like just to, just to have that trade off, and to, to feed off each well, other. Well, I guess the, the monarch and the wrecking ball. I mean, that's the song. As we, I told you, is the song that caught my ear, and and also, perhaps the only song with slide on it. Yeah, right. yeah. And yeah. that's you playing the slide, right? Yeah, that okay. is me. I slide. Yeah, slide guitars. I mean, it's not. I mean, I'm a big Derek Trucks fan mm -hmm. and Dwayne Allman fan. Um, and I've studied trucks considerably, but I've always taken, tried to take trucks as slide riffs and turn them into non-slide finger riffs. It's kind of a way to take right. something awesome and say, okay, I'll try that. I'll use that over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of what trucks does, and I've all, that's the way I emulate, is I can play slide at slower speeds and still hit the economy and hit the notes and hit them right and get that soulful kind of feeling that there's a voice talking to you but but I can't speed up and maintain that 
mm-hmm. in slide. So that's why that song is, I mean, I, I could if I spent three months practicing it, but it's not something that I focus on. I like that, that sort of slow to moderate pace for slide. I, can, I, can, I, can, I feel comfortable playing like that. Um, and uh, that's what this, this song was. It just has that kind of, kind of vibe. And uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it is nice, especially when you're playing live to pull out a slide and just do some different things. But uh, I don't know. It's just not something that I, I don't know. Maybe it's just security blank. I feel comfortable just playing my guitar as mm-hmm. it is. But for me to do slide, I want to do it right. Because if you're not, if you don't, if you're off by a microtone, you sound out of tune. Right. You have to really practice that. So before we did that, I, I was just doing that solo for like weeks. Not that particular solo, because it was, that was the solo that happened at that moment. Right. But the style, I was just playing slide. And I love it. I love sitting down and playing playing um, that slow to moderate pace slide. Um, listen to a lot of a lot of trucks. But the slower stuff yeah. that he's done. It's a beautiful tune, as I said. It's, Thank for you. For those who haven't heard it, you should listen to it. <laughs> so the other thing that happened this year when you toured the Midwest was you wound up at Buddy Guys and somebody joined you on stage. Tell me about that. Yeah. So Buddy Guy joined us on stage in uh, in Chicago. It was pretty pretty crazy. I I still can't believe it happened. Like, I'm, I'm still like, what what just happened? Because basically he's there certain nights, just hanging out. Yeah, and he doesn't go up on stage all the time. And rarely does he go up on stage. So how does that happen that that he comes up on stage with you? I guess it means he liked what he was hearing. I'm hoping. Um, I guess that's what it means. I'll take it as a as a compliment. I'm still blown away that this happened but I mean he's my hero I mean now I mean him and Clapton are, are probably my you know and with BB gone and, and uh, a lot of players aren't, aren't with us anymore Buddy I think Buddy's the top of the chain now really mm-hmm. in practice you know yeah, I think he sure. is him and Clapton would be at the top and uh, so not only is he a, a living legend he's one of my personal heroes in terms of influencing my guitar style and you're playing in his club yeah <laughs> It was the third time we were playing there, and it was great. Third I, time, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I and I and I, I get there. And I, I presume s- you do well there. I mean, it's a neat place because, even though it's Chicago, I presume the m- majority of people who were in that club are tourists. Yeah, and they very much tend to pack the place. Yeah. all the time, which is great. Yeah, yeah, we were doing really well, and um, well, the night went like this. Like, I, we, we did our sound check, and I talked to the 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 manager and I said is, is he going to be here tonight he said no he was in New York last night he's playing a show he, he's probably not going to be back till Wednesday okay had you met him before no okay so we go for dinner we come back and he's at the bar and I'm like what he's here <laughs> I'm like can you please introduce me and, and you know and he's gracious and I got to shake his hand and stuff I'm sure he gets that all the time um, and he's like okay I'll be listening to you guys so he's sitting at the bar he's like watching basketball eating his wings mm-hmm. you know and I'm on stage and I'm like Okay, so what does that feel like when you when one of your heroes is sitting there eating chicken wings? Watching I'm like, you? excuse me, sir. I'm gonna make you put that chicken wing down and turn around. That was my whole goal. Like, I was like, I've worked too hard and I've spent too many years trying to sound like him or trying to emulate the kind of things that he does. So it was a motivator. It was a motivator. I'm like, I'm. I had a solo coming up for one of my songs. I think it was Roll with It, or I don't know what song it was, but I just just went crazy and I just saw him do this and turn around I was like I got him <laughs> it was awesome and uh and then um a few songs later the 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 sound man says start playing a slow blues in a and you know what that means you know so he just came up to you and told just, you this the sound man came up to me and just said okay start playing slow blues in a and we know what that means and then buddy came up on stage and I think he was still wiping chicken wings. I don't know, but it was just awesome, and it, the crowd went crazy. And I'm just, and uh, he's singing, and I'm laying back. So, I, while yeah. this, so you go in, you start playing slow blues in it. Yeah, yeah. And does everybody in the place automatically know that Buddy's coming up, or do they? I think we just knew because that was a right. that was the cue we had. But then when he gets on stage, everyone goes crazy, right? And um, we're, I'm just like. I can't believe what's happening. And then 
you know, the first thing he did was he's like, you know, okay, this band's got to quiet down a little. And I'm, and I'm like, turned around, like, guys, quiet down. Like, yeah, I just took an order from Buddy Guy. <laughs> no, and then, um, and then he's singing. He didn't play. And then I'm, I'm laying back because I'm a little star, starstruck. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, screw this. I'm letting it all out. And he just, I was riffing in between his, in between his vocals. And he looks back and he goes, he goes, oh, I like that shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, check bucket list. I'm good. Like pretty nice. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good right now. Like that was. Do you know what song it was? was? A good moment. I he, it was just a, a slow blues and a. It was generic. I think he was just making up stuff. Okay. And he was just, you know how he does. He yeah. just, he was just picking pieces or he probably made it up on the spot. But it made sense and it, the crowd loved it. <laughs> and he did his scream. He did his buddy guy. You know he's ow. He yeah. did that. And I was right beside him when he did it. And I was like, that thing is real. <laughs> you can feel that. Yeah. He did that, you know, when he just screeches and takes it up way up. I'm like right beside him when he did it. It was it was a great moment. I'm pretty. That's uh, I'm I'm still flying high off that. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Because really I know it doesn't moment. happen to everybody. And, no, you know, no. It's pretty cool that these things happen. And yeah, and, and there was witnesses and video and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not making it up. <laughs> And you know you can say, oh, I get to play with this person, I get to play, and that's it's great. But when you know when someone means that much to you, and they just choose to come on stage, you mm-hmm. do. it's different because it's not it feels good. You know it's when really... when people say, yeah, I opened up for so and so, yeah, you did, but did, you know it's not really the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, not to take anything away from that, but when Buddy Guy comes up on stage with you, that's something really special. You yeah, know, that doesn't happen to every band, and. You know, he chose and decided that it was worth his while, and he's not going to come up with any band. So, yeah, it was a good moment. <laughs> I'm still reeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was that the last day of the tour? Or um, that... No, that was like three days in. Oh, okay. And then so we went further out. We went out to Iowa, Nebraska, St. Louis. Yeah. So that was, I got. So that was a great way to. I mean, we were feeling so good after that. I mean, the rest of the shows were just like. A breeze that was such a huge pick me up it was like it really put some wind in the sails and and were you able to attract crowds like if you go to st louis yeah I don't know how well known you are in st. no louis. st louis went wasn't a, wasn't a big one but we um there are a lot of, like in iowa and um, springfield illinois omaha nebraska there's really strong blue societies and blues communities out there and then and, and um with the help of frank on the on the tour support frank rosak you know, getting articles and papers and blogs and things like that, and radio stations. There, there was like the 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 targeted sort of the people you want there came. Oh, nice. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the just the people who liked the music knew we were there. They weren't empty rooms. But again, that's that comes down to making sure you have that tour support, even at that entry level. You right. need that. This is as you're driving for nothing. You might as well just be playing in your garage. You know, like it's, I mean, it's fun, but, um, it's good to have those, those publicists. And they're, as a they're Canadian critical. artist who's trying to make it in the States, how, how do you feel? Are they open to you? Are they? Yeah. I, I think that, um, I mean, the American blue scene is really interesting because it, it, it just seems so massive. It seems like all these festivals and magazines and there seems to have all this, there's all these great artists down there, but I also feel that. Canadian artists are pretty well accepted. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how well folks like Paul Delorier and mm-hmm. J.W. Jones, 24th Street Whalers, all these Canadian acts don't seem to have a problem right. down there. And and I've um, American blues scene has been a big ally of mine. They did nice. a big feature when the, when the album came out. And I'm you know Sirius XM and BB King's Bluesville has been playing playing the record. And I think there's a pretty good I think the Americans are very accepting of of the Canadian artists. Now, I'm not saying that they need to be because they're better. I'm saying because of the size of the market. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, Our Canadian artists, are, are, we're doing okay creatively yeah. and artistically. But it's a they're, difficult they're strong, thing to, strong. to make that commitment to yeah. tour down there. Yeah. Because right? it's, it's, you don't always come away with money. And yeah. it doesn't guarantee financial success, which means how much time do you want to spend down there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but um, yeah, it's definitely one big supportive community, and and 
at times it's daunting and it's a challenging business, but there are no, I think it's, a, you know, everybody that I've met in this, in the blues, call it the blues business, from, you know, folks like yourself and publicists and festival people and media, and everybody's, you know, you know who you are, you know who those people are. It's a small community, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Blues Music Awards and they're the American people and everybody seems to know each other. Yeah. and help each other and it's yeah. really cool you know so you found that from the very beginning even in Toronto the scene yeah absolutely I mean with the Toronto Blue Society they've been so supportive very helpful over the years and uh, you know Ottawa Blues Society and, and uh, even we go west there's there's a Blue Society out there I mean you go to the Blues Summit and it's kind of like a big family reunion you mm-hmm. see everybody you know and, and you know them all and it's it's a really and you support each other and help each other and we keep each other going. A lot of people have been very supportive to me over the last year with all the troubles I've been going through. Um, I turned to a lot of these people just to talk, artist to artist. And right. uh, a lot of people were very cognizant of what I was going through as I was trying to finish the record. And, um, you know, and people have been very sensitive to the, to the subject matter since it's been released. And uh, it's cool. But... It's a, it's a big family in a dog eat dog business, you know. And it's, so it's, but um, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to grow something, mm-hmm. trying to build something, you know, rooted in good music. I don't I don't think that that's such a bad thing. I, I so know. how okay? So the album came out when April seventh it was released. Yeah. So how long will you continue to push this album? Well, I mean, these things can. I'll keep touring this thing and. Uh, flogging it for a couple of years right i mean there's that initial push of all the you know when it's new and you do all the interviews and you get out there and um but i'm i continue to do all sorts of marketing for it and and then in the fall we'll pick up like what you call the second leg of it right do going out west going to florida um and then uh you know hopefully hopefully some nice stuff happens next you know next fall or with award season but if it doesn't no big deal but when those things do happen then that continues the marketing like it's built in like it takes a, on a life of its own but if that doesn't happen I've, it doesn't matter because what matters is the touring I found that playing and getting out there is drive, drives things more than anything right than just putting a Facebook ad or you know it, it, you gotta get out there and that's what I'll you can't really you just keep doing that now, knowing the restrictions that you have but yeah. are you playing as much as you would like to play at this point yeah this summer was by design. I needed the summer off right. for mental health reasons. Um, I just wanted to be f- focused on my children after what I've been through. I don't want anything on my mind mm-hmm. when I'm with them. I needed to shut things down. Um, but it just takes me a little time, and then I get that hunger again, and I want to start playing. So I'm not. I'm already preparing. The next by the time September October roll around, I'll be ready to go. And are you writing constantly, or is that um, something that just happens? I'm, with I'm always, I'm always writing. I'm always writing. I've, I mean, songs with me. I'm, whether it's with a co-writer or on my own, they they incubate for a couple of years. I got a number of ideas already. I mean, even a year ago, I sat down and wrote a treatment or an outline for the fourth album, kind of like in like a, a, a screenwriter kind of. Mindset. Which you will record in a couple of years. Yeah. Wow. Um. And that thing, things will change. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, it's an interesting starting point, because I I know like on the next album, kind of the bases that I want to touch, but I don't know what the hell that's gonna be. I don't know what the, the substance is gonna right. be yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's weird. We're weird people, artists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's no method here. I mean, it's just, I mean it's there is okay. There's method to the madness, but um, is it what you thought it would be? Like, it, what surprises you about? It surprises. What surprises me is someone who just used to play guitar. I'm surprised how creative I've become and how uh, revealing I've become and how expressive I've become, all in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, what surprises me is, it doesn't surprise me, but it's one of the benefits has been that realizing that music is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And if you've, when you have something like this in your life, it really, really is an incredible thing. To be able to get your thoughts out, and and then put them in a nice package with a bow on it, with some nice, song, with some nice sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that's what surprised me so far is um, just going going down this road. It just how I'm a lot more creative than I thought I could ever be, and I'm still have a long way to go. I feel good about having opened this road. And do you think if I would have asked you seven years ago where you would be seven years from now, would it, would you have would you have predicted that you would be where you are, and would you have been happy with? With where you are today, I don't know. I mean, it's been a that, that's that's a hard one. I don't know. Um, I mean, hopefully, seven years from now, I'm. I, I just see this as a thing. It's a craft that you always get better at. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I'll, I'll be better at it in seven years than I am now, in terms of the sounds that you're hearing. Right. In terms of how, I mean, one thing that I would like is just. A little more time <laughs> to do less <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I think that that's because it's the lifestyle I've chosen when I have all these things on my plate but um but is that just is that the type of person you are like you function I, way I better think I've it. reached I think I've reached a limit in terms of I mean now that I'm gonna be living a whole new lifestyle and my ex and I are living apart it's gonna be more peaceful and it's gonna be a little more it's gonna be easier I do I do feel it's gonna be easier this way how has that adjustment been um, it's 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 been good so far. We're um, about a year into it, and uh, it's, it's it's going well. And I think everybody, both of us, are in better places. And um, kids are doing all right. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Everybody's doing okay, and it's uh, it was meant to happen. You know, I don't want to get too personal about it, but it was. Uh, def we're definitely a better spot, and I think that that's going to be better for us as individuals and for me as a creative person. Um, I just it was just necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely uh, looking forward to some downtime this summer. <laughs> hey, what does that mean? Is it just it just out means not not having to do as much with with respect to just putting some sort of the the marketing and and the touring is it's not happening this summer. There's always little things to do, but I just just need a bit of some downtime. But I'll, I'll, we'll be back at it in the fall, and and we'll you know we'll be doing more stuff then, but. Um, yeah, talk to me in a few months and I'll probably be filling my plate with all sorts of stuff again well, <laughs> once I get my energy conversation back. Again. I, yeah, I thank yeah. you so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate you yeah, sharing your thoughts. Yeah, it's a good chat. Thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.